somebody wake me? Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderbergh. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're QNO. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. Hi, everybody. My name is Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader. My co-host is John Luckenbaugh, a.k.a. John Luckenbaugh. Hello, John. Good morning, Jay. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> we'll be talking about the business and tech of podcasting on a weekly basis here on this particular show. If you've been listening to us uh, since October, thanks. You already know all of this. But if you're brand new to us, because it's a brand new year, then welcome. Uh, where have you been? I hope you missed us. Uh, and if you did, go and check out our archives. Our archives are available wherever podcasts are heard, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. All you do is click the subscribe button. You can get every single episode that we've released, including a couple over the holidays, uh, John, that I think really stand out and were really good. We had a couple of queued up team members come on, Isabel, when she talked about uh, narratives podcasting or storytelling podcasting and what goes into that. And then we had Matt come on and discuss SEO tactics in general and for podcasting. Yeah, and I think it's important too, even though those episodes about narrative podcasting, even if you don't do a podcast about narrative podcasting or do a narrative podcast, I still think those are important episodes to listen to because there's a lot of techniques in narrative podcast production and storytelling that you can use for your particular podcast and your style of podcast. Uh, so don't just ignore it just because it, oh, they're doing a podcast on narrative podcast. I like to try and make points uh, to highlight exactly what you can learn from that particular style that you can apply to any style of podcasting. Same with the, obviously, SEO, I think, applies to all podcasting, but there might be some things in there that uh, even if you're an SEO expert, you may not know about. Or even if you're someone like me who's been around the podcasting field for a long time now, didn't even know about uh, when it comes to SEO. So I think those are important episodes to know. We're not just here just to, you know, talk about podcasting. We're actually here to try and help you out. So uh, hopefully you're getting a little bit of value from the shows that we're doing. And especially today, where we're talking about the lessons from 2020. I don't think this is going to be the only episode this month that we talk about the lessons from 2020, John. No, I agree. I think that's some that can span a couple episodes as we get into it a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit about our tech. Uh, specifically, what did we learn about uh, the different recording platforms we used uh, since we launched in October until this point now here in January 2021? Mm. Number one, have a backup recording going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a hard lesson learned. A yeah. whole episode about that. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone through a bunch of bunch of uh recording apps and they are all pretty much similar. I like the reliability of Zoom and we did have some trouble with Squadcast. There was some good and some bad with with that. It was mostly bad though. I mean, yeah. I listen, I I don't like to give a negative review, but when it's warranted, I mean, uh, we used Squadcast three different times uh, over the past month, and 
you were only able to salvage the audio from one of those times that we used it? From one. The rest we used backup. Or one we used backup and one we had to re-record. Right. We didn't have a backup. The last episode that we did with StreamYard came out pretty well, too. I think that what we're trying to say here is pretty much whatever platform you end up finding that is most reliable for you is going to work best for you. But really, the most reliable source is recording an on-site backup, which can be difficult when you're dealing with guests who may not be as technologically adept as you. That's why you have to come to rely on a Zoom or any other platform to record your guest's audio and make sure that it is a quality recording. The unfortunate part about that, as I, as I mentioned during that episode uh, where we learned the hard lesson of recording a backup, is that the internet is a, uh, well, she is a weary mistress. And <laughs> sometimes she's just going to treat you bad. There's nothing that any of these platforms can do if the internet decides to go wonky on a particular day. I think the other big thing that we learned, Jay, is that uh, to use these recording apps for the the video segment of it so that we can still see each other and connect that way, even though the audio is being recorded by a background app. There's definitely advantages to that. Obviously, when you have a visual cue, you know, there, there'll be times when we might talk over each other. There was a time earlier in this conversation that John edited out. I, at least I hope he did because <laughs> he's a really good editor. That was because I wasn't looking in the, I was looking at my notes. I wasn't looking in the app. So I didn't see that John had something else ready to talk about. That's one of the things using these recording apps, especially the visual ones, will assist you with when you're dealing with a co-host. If you're using like I tend to use Uber conference and I use it without video uh, and I'm doing a round table of four or five people. There's a lot of editing I got to do in there. The reason why I don't use video though, with four or five people is because the bandwidth that it takes is just super, it, it doesn't give me a reliable recording. So to get the most reliable recording, I have to sacrifice the video there, but yeah, record a backup, record a local backup. If you can, if you have a guest who can record a local backup, have them record a local backup and send you the MP3 file because that's what's going to sound the best. And honestly, I'll bet the recording on the backup sounded better than the recording that you got from the platform we were recording on, right, John? Absolutely, every time. Uh, so that's a so that's a good lesson to learn uh, from 2020. The more you know. There were a couple of news items that happened at the end of 2020 sort of generated a little bit of conversation in the podcasting universe. Uh, the biggest thing being that Wondery ended up getting purchased by Amazon. Obviously, Amazon making headway into the podcasting space. They want to be involved in the podcasting space. Every other major listening app besides Apple has made a purchase similar to this, right? The Spotify probably being the most famous one, buying whatever they could. <laughs> <laughs> seemingly, but Pandora purchasing Stitcher, being part of Sirius XM, you know, that's this is sort of the way that our space, the podcasting universe, is evolving. Uh, Adam Curry, the podfather, is creating something called Podcasting 2.0 because, from his point of view, what this is all leading to is a closed ecosphere, which is something we as podcasters do not want. 
Evo Terra, uh, who does the podcast pontifications uh, on a daily basis, highly recommend listening to some of the things he has to say, talked about how there isn't going to be anyone that comes out on top. There isn't going to be a top place like Apple anymore. Everybody's going to eventually even out, and it's going to be up to the podcaster to understand the different audiences on those different listening platforms to develop content that will appeal to those different audiences and understanding how to promote yourself. Again, why that SEO is very important, how to promote yourself when there isn't a dominant listening app anymore. And that's sort of how Evo looks at the purchase of Wondery at Amazon. Amazon will come up the ranks. They'll end up in some of the charts that they'll start growing. Spotify will continue to grow. Apple will continue to diminish in their market share. Maybe we'll get more from iHeartRadio. Maybe we'll get more from Pandora. And as Google. all of these, uh, Google, and as all of these places start rising and they all start evening out, there isn't a dominant player anymore. And then to that effect, the only thing left for Amazon that they haven't purchased that some of these other listening apps have purchased is a hosting site. So what host is left out there to purchase? Well, there's a few. But the one that probably would appeal to them most that has ad insertion technology would be Art19. That's sort of the way to look at the Amazon. You know, I heard a lot of independents talking about, oh, it's the death of independent podcast. It's not the death of independent podcasting. I think it's more like a, a two-tier system taking shape, don't you think? Where you have like your lower tiers, which could be compared to like, uh, like YouTube or your digital music platforms like iTunes or the free Spotify where one, the lower tier has access to all the podcasts and then your, your higher tier is your, your Netflix or your streaming TV where your Netflix has one batch of shows, your Amazon prime has another batch of shows, but they're not, you can't get the same shows on, on both channels. But I would argue for the content creator, what is the benefit of doing that? I mean, unless you get a big check, right? Unless you're right. Joe Rogan and you just got, $10 million from Spotify, what is the benefit of having your show only available on Spotify? That you got $10 million from Spotify. That's the benefit, right? right. So, that's a, so that's a nice big chunk. But for, let's say, NPR, if NPR were to decide to go exclusive on only one app, what is the benefit in, in it for them to not be everywhere? Every media place that I have ever worked at has wanted to be platform agnostic so that they get the largest listening sample that they possibly can get and understand our listening audience is not very large at this particular point in time. Like it continues to grow and Edison will, you know, Edison and we'll get into some of their numbers uh, from 2020 will continue to tell it, you know, that the perception or the number of people that have listened to a podcast continues to grow. I think we're at 50% of all Americans have listened to a podcast in the last month. But 50% of all Americans are not listening to a podcast five days a week. It's not even close to that at this particular point in time. Understand that there's only so many earbuds and only so many earbud hours, and radio continues to dominate that share of air. Do you think any of this consolidation has to do with the pandemic? As in, the pandemic's hurting my bottom line. I need to sell to Amazon or because they're anxious about the pandemic with uncertainty going forward? No, I don't think that's a major reason for it. Could it be a minor reason? 
Of course, right? Let me get paid now and get out now. Wondery had had been on the market for a while now, and their CEO, uh, Hernan Lopez, has a major court date <laughs> ahead of him as he has a fairly major allegation uh, that has been launched against him that he's defending himself against. And it puts Wondery in a tough position to try and sell some of their IP. They mentioned that at the end of the year, like 25% of their shows are being made into television and film projects. Well, if there's, you know, a major regulatory charge against the CEO of the company, uh, that becomes a little bit more difficult to negotiate to make more of those things happen. Companies start to wonder about where their money's going to. Is it going towards the company? Is it going towards uh, making more great content? Or is it going towards paying the legal bills of the CEO? And I'm not necessarily saying that that's the case. I'm saying that's that can become the perception of, of these deals. So understand that Wondery was in a position where I think they needed to be sold more because of their CEO's current situation more than anything else. Because um, Wondery was doing just fine you can read all their reports that they released at the end of 2020. Uh, they were doing just fine from a monetary standpoint. Right. Do you think we've seen the last of the consolidation for the, for right now? Or do you think there's more on the horizon? Maybe Facebook or YouTube will build some audio-specific platform that you know they can begin to distribute podcasts to their huge followings coming up. The consolidation, I think, I mean, what's left to, <laughs> is really is really the way to look at it is the the next step would be for some of these big things to merge. Like what if Apple and Spotify were to merge? That's <laughs> obviously never going to happen, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's, but that's sort of that, that's sort of it, right? That's the next step. You know, iHeartRadio became iHeartRadio because they started buying up some of these other radio networks and platforms and, and became bigger and bigger and bigger. iHeartRadio was once clear channel. And they continued to buy all these radio stations. Uh, that's why iHeartRadio is as large as it currently is. Could iHeartRadio end up purchasing SiriusXM or vice versa? A hundred percent, that could happen. So I could see, I could see where there, where that could end. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But that is definitely something to watch and you know understand. That, that is definitely something that could happen. Facebook or Twitter or one of these types of places creating an audio thing would be creating it basically from scratch. I don't think, I mean, maybe they could buy uh, one of these smaller hosting companies like a Buzzsprout or a Red Circle or something like that. And I'm not necessarily saying that these are smaller places, but they could buy one of these hosting companies that exists that has technology that they could then use. Twitter, at the end of 2020, purchased Breaker. Twitter is obviously going to be doing something in the audio game and we'll have to wait and see what it is. And what's interesting about that is Twitter started as a podcast yeah. company uh, called Odeo. So uh, it's interesting to see the the evolution of where things are going. Amazon being involved in this, uh, they've got a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff Bezos is about to get passed by Elon Musk. So I'm sure he wants to make more money. Uh, everybody loves to be number one. Nobody wants to be number two. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with Amazon, but Amazon also just purchased a bunch of airplanes as it was reported. <laughs> I saw the report that they purchased like eight airplanes. The, the price tag wasn't necessarily released, but if they bought them new, it was like $2.4 billion that they spent, which is 
uh, in effect, I think they said it was like six or seven wonderies. Amazon's got money. Uh, and Amazon, Amazon can make a big splash pretty quickly by, by spending a lot of their money. The reason why I said at the top of the show, we're probably going to be talking about this a lot over the next month is because there's still going to be a lot more of these numbers that will come out. I, I don't have, for instance, 2020 numbers from Libsyn, uh, Libsyn putting all of 2020 into the, into a nice number package or Blueberry. I've heard Todd on the new media show talk about Blueberry putting these numbers together, but I haven't seen them published yet. Uh, Voxnest, which is a company I used to work for, usually does that as well. I wonder if they will, because they've been purchased by iHeartMedia over the past few months, so I don't know if they'll publish that report again, but we'll see. But there'll be a lot more numbers, and we do have end-of-the-year numbers from Buzzsprout, so that'll be interesting, and we'll, we'll get into that. I can tell you, on the last episode of The Feed from Libsyn, Uh, They released some November numbers, and these are things to uh, really take note of. Uh, The first thing to note is that a majority of the downloads that are happening in the podcast space are coming from mobile devices. 87% of the Libsyn downloads were coming from mobile devices. Now, why is this important? Understand that Libsyn's sample size is the number one host in podcasting. They have the most RSS feeds that are being distributed uh, for podcasts in the land. I suppose you could say Anchor technically does, but Libsyn has the most active feeds is probably a better way to put it. What they're seeing from the shows that are hosted on Libsyn is that 87% of those downloads come from a mobile device. So that's a phone. Uh, That's not like your Amazon Echo or a Google Home or an Apple Home, whatever Apple's is called. What is Apple's called? I don't even remember. Uh, those devices, which they call voice-activated devices, are account for only 0.22% of all downloads for podcasts. So understand that the number of people who are listening to Lexi or some of the other folks that you can talk to and say, play my podcast, it's only 0.22% of all of the people that are listening to podcasts are listening to them on that type of a device. Hmm. Google is obviously making that as something that you can do. Apple has made it as something that you can do. And Lexi is getting built into all sorts of things like in your car dashboard. It's not something to disregard, but understand that a majority of people are still getting, listening to their podcast, listening to your podcast through a mobile device. Hmm. Here are the places, and these are the Libsyn November numbers, that are getting the most listens. Apple accounts for 64.5% of all listening. Spotify is second at 9.9%. Overcast is 2.29% at number three. Overcast. So that's not any other, that's not iHeartRadio, that's not Amazon, that's not Google. Google does come in fourth at 2.04%. But understand that Overcast is up to number three. We have a lot of Overcast listeners, John, on on this particular podcast. To me, that makes sense. I'm going to say this to all of you Overcast listeners. I'm going to guess all of you Overcast listeners are podcasters. And since we are a podcast on podcasting, it would make sense that podcasters would listen to a podcast on podcasting and use the podcaster app known as Overcast. I believe Overcast is a 
uh, if you were to pull the number of people that use Overcast, I'm going to guess about 95% of Overcast's users are podcasters. I love everything that Overcast does. Uh, I think there's a lot of great features over on Overcast, but I do believe that Overcast is one of those bubble things. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago. This is one of those things where podcasters will will wrap their heads around and, and get all in and talk about a certain thing, but it's really only big with podcasters. The general public, I guarantee you the general public has no idea what Overcast is. They do know what Apple is, they do know what Spotify is, and they certainly know what Google is. Stitcher uh, is still number five, uh, but is dropping, according to Rob Walsh uh, on Libsyn, down to 1.3%. CastBox, another listening app, is at 1.34%. Podcast Addict is at 1.21%. And then iHeartRadio is the final listening app that has over 1% of all listening iHeartRadio is at 1.14%. And Rob Walsh made a snarky comment about iHeartRadio claiming they were number one in podcasting. But that's what media groups do. Uh, that's how they market, <laughs> right? Right. You, no one's going to go listen to the number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight place for podcasts. We're number eight in podcasting. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't fly. No. So of course they're going to say they're number one. And then. You're going to make a snarky comment. We're going to criticize both the snarky comment and the untrue comment by iHeartRadio, and nobody wins. As a podcaster, understanding that most of your downloads are coming from a mobile device, and most of your downloads, I mean, a solid chunk of your downloads are coming from Apple. That is where your audience is. And again, this is for the podcast universe. Maybe your podcast does better on one of these, like for us, for instance, Overcast is definitely bigger than Spotify. Talking to the people on Overcast becomes uh, much bigger for us. So yeah. understand your own statistics and where your audience is coming from uh, so that you can speak to them in a more proper way. And as I said, if podcasters are using Overcast and we're a podcast on podcasting, it would make sense for most of our downloads to come from Overcast. Yes. Buzzsprout, as I mentioned, did release their end-of-the-year uh, platform stats. And I think even though Buzzsprout is a, small, uh, is a smaller podcasting platform, at least smaller to in regards to Libsyn, I do believe that their numbers are still valid. Uh, and John, you have a few notes on some of their numbers. Yeah, the thing that was the most interesting to me was at the bottom of their report, the episode downloads for the first seven days of an episode where the top 1% of podcasts get 3,062 downloads in the first seven days. And compared to the top 10% of episodes on Buzzsprout that get 231 downloads in the first seven days. I found that interesting compared to the numbers that Libsyn released recently, where the top 1% on Libsyn would get 36,000 downloads in the first 30 days, and the top 10% would have 3,200 downloads in the first 30 days. Quite a wide range. So basically, their top 10% is the top 1% of Buzzsprout. Yeah. The other thing, as I was just mentioning, when it comes to understanding maybe your podcast does better on certain apps, well, for Buzzsprout, the top 
podcast app is Apple, but at only 30.3% of all downloads. Spotify is number two at 26.4%, then Google Podcasts at 2.7%. Overcast is way down their list. It's actually even below the Buzzsprout site itself. Wow. At 1.4% of of all downloads. And iHeartRadio doesn't even break the 1% at 0.7%. Amazon Music way down as well, as is Pandora. Some of this too has to do with the type of podcaster that is hosted on on, on the place. Lipson and Blueberry are obviously, I don't want to use the term dinosaurs. Uh, how about the originators, right? They, they've been, they're they the OGs in this space. They've been around since the very beginning. And so a lot of the things that podcasters had to do because they didn't exist, such as writing your own RSS feed. Could you imagine writing your own RSS feed for every episode? <laughs> oh, man. That was something that people had to do way back in the day. And that is why certain people use Blueberry to this day because that was the way they designed their hosting with that specific task in mind. Now, obviously, they have evolved as the technology and the times have evolved. But again, understand like that's where that audience is. So while Libsyn will tell you as the number one podcast host that Apple is dominating at 64% of all downloads, Buzzsprout's audience sees that Apple really isn't dominating. It's only at 30%. But again, the amount of people hosting with Buzzsprout versus the amount of people hosting at Libsyn and understanding that 10% of all podcasters on Libsyn is the 1% on Buzzsprout sort of will give you an idea of, again, where that audience is coming from and where they're listening. The number here on Buzzsprout is that there's 86,757 active podcasts there. Uh, yeah, and Libsyn has a lot more. <laughs> I don't know what Libsyn's actual number is, but that's why we'll wait for the Libsyn end of the year numbers if those get released. It's usually something that Rob does at uh, one of the podcasting events. And as we know, in this day and age of COVID, podcasting events are hit or miss at this point. <laughs> Certainly online, but not in person. How about we talk a little bit about the Edison numbers, some of the things that they saw in 2020 in regards to numbers. So with the Edison research, they had an article that they released called 10 for 20. Uh, These were 10 things that they noted from the year 2020 and and things that they saw the audience and, and how the audience was reacting and noted that U.S. audio consumption 100% changed as a result of COVID-19. And this was something that has been documented over the course of the last year. When the pandemic sent everyone into lockdown, there was a shift from when people started their downloads, which typically was in that 5 to 6 a.m. Eastern hour, and it became later. It, got, it went all the way up to the 7 to 8 o'clock hour where more downloads were occurring at a later time because people didn't have to make that commute to work. Also, uh, I can tell you there was a report that was released from Megaphone in the summertime uh, after they had seen some of the changes in listening 
due to COVID. What you would normally see in the course of a day is a is that big spike in the six to seven a.m. hour, and then another big spike in that commute home time in that five to six p.m. hour. But it would be a spike, and then it would come down, and it would level out, and then it would spike again and would come down. What they noted in post-COVID is that spike would happen a little bit later, and then it would stay at that level, and then would come down at the commute time. It was no longer a big spike, come down, big spike. It was, it was more of a plateau. It would spike up, plateau, and then come down. There was definitely a change in the way that people were consuming podcasts because they were locked at home and not commuting to work. Edison notes that 100 million Americans listen to podcasts monthly. This was the number that I was mentioning uh, earlier. It is a 40% increase in a two-year period. The number of monthly listeners is dramatically up uh, for podcasting, which is good. The more people that are listening, the better it will be for all of us. And we got to continue to give them content uh, to listen to. Spoken words share of audio listening increased 30% over the past six years, 8% in the last year alone. And the growth is being driven by women, African-Americans, Latinos, and 13 to 34-year-olds. This was something that we spoke about uh, when we talked about the spoken word audio report that came out uh, towards the end there in 2020. Because I remember we did a whole episode yes. on the share of ear report. I think that was episode one. If I remember. <laughs> there you go. 55% of Gen Z listeners are reached by AM, FM radio every day. You know, we as podcasters talk about the younger demographics are coming in droves listening to podcasts. Radio still has more than 55% of them listening to them every single day. Podcasts don't have 55% of anybody listening to podcasts every single day. So that's still a, that's still a hurdle for us to overcome. We, as podcasters, we want to get a bigger share of that ear. We still have a long way to go to get to that particular point. And as we were mentioning with the smart speakers and the numbers of people listening to voice-activated devices, 60 million Americans now own a smart speaker and usage increased during quarantine. However, that usage really isn't being seen on Libsyn. Is that a case of the type of podcaster that's on Libsyn? Or is that a case of people have these smart speakers and they're not using them to listen to podcasts. They're using them to ask about the weather or the local news or to turn my lights on. That is the question. Or maybe it's because people's podcasts aren't optimized for, for voice either. That is also a good point. Good job, John. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about advertising. Why not? People want to make money. Uh, advertising is one of the many different ways that you can monetize a podcast. Remember, I always tell you to diversify your revenue streams. Do not put all of your eggs into one basket. Don't put all of your eggs into the advertising basket. Too many people learned from COVID-19 that that is not a good thing because advertising did definitely take a dip when COVID-19 first hit, but it has come back and people have realized that a lot of the uh, listeners who have left AM, FM radio have gone to podcasting. There are a lot more advertisers getting into podcasting. We're going to hit a billion dollars in 2021. That's a Absolutely. prediction. We'll, we'll get to some of those predictions 
in just a moment. But so when we're talking about millions, let's talk about billions. Because uh, PRX announced in 2020, they served 1,238,523,327 ads on their proprietary ad injection technology. That's just on PRX podcasts alone. That's a lot of ads, by the way. 426 podcasts ads were read by their announcer. Now understand that PRX will sometimes have a host read the ad, depends on what type of ad it is, but for the most part, they have an announcer to do their ad reads for them. And their announcer did that 426 times in 2020. That's a, again, that's a lot of ads. And that is only on PRX. So what did Magellan, uh, Magellan AI, took a look at advertising and what advertisers were doing in 2020 and noted that uh, the number of new brands that were added to podcasting over the course of the year, what was funny is it was going, it was on a trend that was probably unsustainable in March, and then obviously COVID hit, and it took a little bit of a dip, but it's starting to come back up again. And obviously, it took a slight dip here towards the end of November. By the way, we're reading this directly from the Magellan AI report on the state of podcast advertising. But I can tell you that is because the advertising cycle is based on the TV schedules. There's a reason why you get a whole bunch of new ads when the new TV shows come out in September, because that's, <laughs> that's the way the cycle works. So you'll get a spike of new ads happening in September, and that will go pretty steady until you get to the holidays. And then there will be a dip. January is the worst month of advertising. Let me repeat this. January is the worst month of advertising in a year for any advertisement. Advertising takes a strong dip during the holidays because there's no new television programs to advertise on. Nothing new is coming out. Now, will the way that COVID has affected things, will the way that streaming television, will that end up affecting some of these ad cycles? Quite possibly. But as of right now, January and February are always going to be your lowest months in terms of advertising and advertising revenue. It will pick back up in March for the spring sweeps, and that will bring you to the summer when advertising will dip again. It will never dip as low as it dips in January and February, but it will dip again in the summer months because people are out, right? It's the summertime, so people are out at the beach. They're outside. They're doing things that are not media-related. Again, could that change because of the way that advertising works uh, because of the way that COVID has changed the lifestyle of Americans these days. We'll have to see. That's the cycle of advertising. It will peak at its highest in September. It will dip to its lowest in January, and it will come back up in March through just about the end of May. Uh, well, probably closer to the beginning of May. It will dip back down again, and then it won't start coming back up again until September. That is your life cycle of an ad. But in this case, for podcasting, average number of shows per advertiser in January 
the number of shows at, that a single advertiser appeared on increased from an average of 3.6 shows per advertiser in January up to 6.2% in November. There was a, or 6.2 shows in November. So advertisers started to understand, especially in those summer months, that the listeners were on podcasts. And you can even see in their chart here that there was a slight dip from March to April, and that dip continued to go right up into July, and then August, September, and October, it just exploded. Advertisers are like, oh, this is where the audience is. And it just went boom, an advertising boom, if you will. Uh, so what were the biggest types of advertising? This is interesting, Jeff. You see how far down mobile games dropped? Yeah, it dropped quite a bit, uh, <laughs> which is odd, right? You would think it would have, it would be super high at this particular point, but maybe they just spent so much of their budget in the early part of the year. <laughs> It is still number one right, uh, right. in regards to the different types. You see what's coming up there to, to meet it is uh, your shaving commercial. Uh, that's because <laughs> the New England Patriots are not in the playoffs mm. and we're, we have to shave. <laughs> uh, we, we can't have a playoff beard anymore. So uh, there's a lot of New England Patriot fans out there. And so I, I understand. I feel their pain. But yes, it, it, that is interesting. Shaving has made a big jump here towards the end of the year. The other types listed here, recruiting, uh, which was high in the early part of the year, a little bit lower now. I'll bet you it'll be high again. This is obviously a great time to go recruiting. Home security, phone, internet, cable, mental health, uh, VPN. I'm hearing a lot of VPN ads these days uh, right now. Underwear direct-to-consumer products and food, beverage, pet products. I don't know why pets, why are pet products Along lumped food, in with food, food and beverage? beverage. <laughs> uh, really, really odd. Obviously, we had, a, um, we had a presidential election. And so political campaigns were the biggest advertisers. Let's take that out because that's obviously going to happen every four years. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, that's where a lot of the money is going to come every four years is from a presidential election and wow. political ads. Uh, so let's look at the next things. Social, Social networking, networking. Wow. increased quite a bit. Mobile gaming increased quite a bit. Appliances and regular gaming <laughs> increased quite a bit. Again, let's look at the gaming thing. Uh, they both PlayStation and Xbox released new gaming consoles that I still can't purchase. So there's obviously a need to increase their ad spend there to get people to go buy the product that they don't have available right now, <laughs> you know, and because of COVID and things that people started doing, gaming became bigger again because people weren't leaving their houses. So they were playing video games. And I wonder if social networking is related to Zoom. I'd be curious to find that out. Again, they looked at any increased promotions related to the holidays, these had the highest increase in spend from Q1 to Q4. Again, pointing to social networking, they had a huge increase in spend. Government obviously had a huge increase in spend. And fantasy sports had a huge increase in spend, along with retail and then gambling. Well, obviously, COVID-19 shutting down all sports 
everyone gets excited about sports returning. Everyone gets excited about playing fantasy sports and gambling related to sports. And now that gambling is becoming legal in more and more states, this is something that I would have expected to see. Again, I'm a sports podcaster. You can listen to my NFL podcast, Next Fan Up, if you would like to hear me talk more about sports. <laughs> the 10 companies spending the most on U.S. advertising are, and this is according to AdAge. What company did we mention earlier in this show that happens to have a lot of money? Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Look at that. Number one, followed by Comcast, AT&T, Procter & Gamble, the Walt Disney Company, Alphabet, uh, which is the parent company to Google, Verizon Communications, Charter Communications, American Express, and the General Motors Company. So looking at the, the people that made the most significant investment every month of 2020, look at how Amazon has really sky, skied up well past mm. $2 million. Yeah. That's since September. They've been well ahead of everybody pretty much the entire year, but but just in the last quarter, it really... Well, <laughs> and again, think about how COVID has changed people's lives. Mm -hmm. Everyone is buying stuff on Amazon. But on top of that, there's the holidays that were involved too. Holiday shopping was moving to an online yes. process anyways. COVID probably helps accelerate that. Amazon letting people know we're the place to go to do your online shopping. I wonder why Comcast had such a drastic drop. The same yes. way that Amazon grew over the last quarter, Comcast fell by just about that much. Yes, in their ad spend. That's in that's interesting. I wonder if that has to do with what what you were saying about the ad cycles. Probably. That should be when everything else grows because if you look at the other top 10, they're all growing in in the last quarter. I wonder if that will come back up in the first quarter of 2021. How many podcasts remain undiscovered? This is an interesting chart here. And I'm going to read directly from their report. To help us understand how deep each industry has gone in podcasting, we wanted to know what industries are advertising on a large number of shows. Of the 30,000 plus shows in the database, how often does an ad in a specific industry get detected? In the two tables below, we found the five industries that appeared on the most and least number of shows. The percentage of total shows column represents the percentage of shows that had ads from that industry out of the total number of shows we detected this year. So industries that had the lowest ad penetration were dating, baby, luggage, fantasy sports, children's clothing. Are they saying that these, because I mean, I hear ads obviously for all of these things and right. we just talked about fantasy sports. So I'm wondering if it's these specific ads aren't showing up on other genres. Is that what that's saying? That is a curious chart. Because above it said that fancy sports was in the top five industries with the largest increase in spending from between quarter one and quarter four. So it doesn't make sense that it's in the industries with the lowest penetration. Only 1.7% of total shows. My guess is that maybe the fantasy sports industry increased their ad spend. We have to be careful about percentages, right? Right. Remember, if I've increased my ad spend by 100%, I may have only been <laughs> spending $1, and then I've now spent $2, <laughs> and I have increased my ad spend by 100%. Or maybe it's if they're on 
a hundred shows, they put a million dollars in a hundred shows rather than 2000 shows. Right. Because as we look at the industries with the highest ad penetration, business services and software, food, consumer packaged goods, direct consumer, financial services, business services and software showed up in 30.7% of total shows. Could also be that Magellan doesn't cover enough uh, sports programs in their 30,000 plus shows in their database. Uh, the genres that sell the most ads in January and February, the top three were comedy, society and culture, and news. The bottom three were music, religion, and arts. Everybody else is somewhere in, somewhere in the middle. I don't see sports in there at all. I wonder if they're lumped in with society and culture, maybe. Do you see sports? I don't see sports in there. You're right. Sports isn't even listed. <laughs> That's very interesting. In October and November, the top three were comedy, news, technology. I'll put society and culture because they look very close to technology as like a very close number four. Your bottom three. Religion and spirituality, education, and then really music, health and fitness, and kids and family make it up uh, another tier. This is all very interesting. Again, sports doesn't show up in their chart. They clearly don't monitor enough sports because sports is definitely highly advertised. Even my little NFL podcast has an advertiser or two or three. There were a lot of predictions made uh, over the last month or so, because obviously that's what people do at the end of a year. They yeah. predict what's going to happen in the upcoming year. Uh, we're going to save that specific article uh, for another episode. But uh, what are some of the things that uh, you're looking at in 2021? Mm. I, I guess I'd say that one is higher marketing budgets for podcast content. I think in 2021, more companies will allocate more of their marketing a budget for lead generation and sales through podcasts. Rather than reading and writing, we now prefer to listen and watch. There's a huge future in private podcasting where companies use podcasts to strengthen internal communications and relationships with their employees. Another thing I think that will happen in 2021 is that podcasts will continue to develop and provide a better user experience. Of course, that's a better content, better production, and better availability as listeners steer towards the better sound quality that provides an awesome listening experience no matter where they are. Podcasters will use more data-driven marketing for a better understanding of their target listeners. We've talked about that in the last episode with, with SEO. So I think that's something that a lot of podcasts should start to use more. You can take into account your audience's browsing behaviors and purchasing habits to give your content strategy a clearer direction. To go back to this voice search and assistance, I think we're going to see that rise a lot in 2021, and that podcast should start to optimize for them. Some of the stats that I came across, Jay, was that 50% of all searches are voice activated, that every month there are over 1 billion searches made by voice, that mobile users are three times more likely to use a voice search, and we, we already know that podcasts are mostly listened to mobile, so I think there's a high likelihood that people are going to start to use voice to search for podcasts. By next year, 55% of households in the U.S. are expected to have a smart speaker, if not more than one. 
and that there's 8 billion users expected by 2023. So with Google, including podcasts and search results, being able to listen to podcasts directly from the search results page, Google transcribing podcasts automatically, episodes are easier to search for via keywords, and voice SEO, podcast SEO can give a podcast a huge boost as voice becomes a preferred way to search online. I do have a question about that, though, for you, John, Mm because just from my own user standpoint, how accurate would you say Lexi is at finding the answer to your question? Because I can tell you right now, for very simple searches, she's pretty good. Right. But there will be times when my son and I will ask her a question that we think is pretty simple, like, Lexi, who's number one in the Premier League table today? Right. And sometimes she'll be like, uh, the Premier League game scheduled for today is da, da, da. like, that's not what I asked you. Right. I want to know what is the table? Tell me who's in first, who's in second, who's in third. Uh, and she struggles with that from time to time. I think that's where you can get into the, the voice SEO by going through and, and putting the keywords in that people will search for. I think it'll provide a lot easier of a successful search, I guess you would call it. I, I think Amazon still has some work on Lexi. They, they, need to, they need to make Lexi a little smarter. She's not, <laughs> she's not that smart yet. Awesome. Well, John, I have some exciting news that you didn't even know about, but we can actually tease a guest for next Ooh. week's episode. All right. Uh, you may have noticed we didn't dive into the Apple numbers on this particular episode of the podcast, but we will be diving heavily into those numbers next week as we will invite Daniel J. Lewis as our guest on the Queued Up podcast on podcasting next week. Uh, we will be talking about all of those numbers, and I'm told he might have a special announcement of his own to make Ooh. on this particular podcast. So That's exciting. That's what you call it tease ladies and gentlemen <laughs> but daniel j lewis will be on the queued up podcast on podcasting next week so stay tuned for that john if people would like to get in touch with you and about the services that queued up provides how would they do so sure you can come find us on the website which is queuedup.com qd-up.com you can email info at queuedup.com or find us on social linkedin wherever we're on all channels And if you would like to talk to me about your podcasting needs and any sort of consulting that I can help you out with, you can reach me, uh, probably the easiest way, DM me on Twitter. I'm at TheRealPodVader. You can email me if you prefer using email, nextfanup at gmail.com. That's the email for my other little NFL podcast that I mentioned, but that's a good way to get in touch with me. I am also available on LinkedIn. Again, search for PodVader. I'm very easy to find. I'm, I'm right here. John, it's been another great episode. Uh, We really went into a lot of the numbers there. I hope people found some value in that. And uh, we'll talk to you all again next week. There you have it.